for listening to Draw Near, and this episode is being published the day before Christmas Eve. I don't know when you are listening, when you're tuning in, but it's it's out on December 23rd of 2020, and this is during Advent. But instead of talking about Advent directly or Christmas directly, you know, other podcasts are doing that. There are studies specific to this time. Homilies are focused on it. Fred and I wanted to pick up an equally relevant topic to this time, and that topic is prayer. Because in Advent, we await the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and it is Jesus who teaches us to pray, and it's united to him that we pray as we ought. And, you know, Fred and I, we often say to each other and to our brothers and sisters in Christ that the spiritual is the practical. The spiritual is the practical. I'm a very practical person. Fred, you can attest to this. Yeah, yeah. amen, amen. <laughs> I like plans and steps and tips, and this is actually often what Fred and I teach on. We give practical implementation for things. But this is all about doing. And you know what? We can do until we are, as one of my daughter's favorite books says, battered, bruised, and oh so sore. But nothing that we do is worth any good if it isn't united to and guided by God. And that comes in prayer. So the spiritual truly is the practical, and this is always, always going to be our first practical tip with anything. So we wanted to do a podcast dedicated to this. And Fred, we have listeners who are very strong in their faith and, um, you know, veterans in the prayer life, and we have those who are really just beginning in their journey with God. Mm -hmm. But for the sake of everyone listening, what does the church say about prayer? How does it speak about prayer? The word that really stands out to me, Kara, is relationship. Prayer is at its core a vital and personal relationship with the living God. That's actually the the language that the catechism uses. So it's very much all about relationship. It is itself relationship. So we think about our relationships that we have with people in our daily lives, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our siblings or whatnot. But I think the spouse example really stands out to me. What kind of relationship would we have with that person if we weren't intentional about communicating with them, if we didn't make the effort to continue to talk to them, to lovingly communicate with them? It wouldn't be a very strong relationship. So I think starting there and showing prayer as a relationship, I think that that's really at the heart of everything that has to do with prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the catechism uses that specific word. If you want to look it up, it's in 2558. It says, we all need a personal relationship with the living and true God. And then it says, this relationship is prayer. Absolutely, a relationship is prayer because you cannot know someone, you cannot recognize their voice, you cannot be friends. And that's our goal. I mean, we we want Mm. to be friends with Jesus. He wants to be friends with us. If we can't talk to them, talk to them. You compared it to spouses, but I'll throw in even like your best friend. I cannot be best friends with somebody if I never talk to them ever, right. or if they know nothing about me, or right. if I don't take interest in knowing things about them. Mm-hmm. So prayer is where we are able to share our life with Christ and where He speaks to us, and we grow in this in this beautiful relationship, this beautiful friendship. Just building on that, Kara, I think one thing that stands out to me. This comes from Frank Sheed, uh, early early to mid 20th century Catholic apologist, he compared this aspect of knowing the Father in terms of growing in relationship with him and learning new things about him, that that discovery that you find in 
really our relationships with anybody, but but I think, again, particularly our spouses, certainly our closest friends, every new thing we learn about the other is yet another reason to love that person. And mm-hmm. so that prayer is really that process where we dialogue with God and we begin to really discover new things about him and fall in love with him in even greater ways. And this is exactly why Scripture reveals that, you know, that relationship between God and his people very much is a dialogue of prayer. There is a, there's a back and forth. There's a dialogue between God and his people. Yeah, and that dialogue can happen through Scripture. That's a beautiful way that it happens. So if you are, are not comfortable praying in different ways, just open Scripture. But it can happen through rote prayers. It can happen spontaneously. And truly, I think it's important to note here, Fred, because sometimes it can be kind of daunting. It's like, where do I even begin? Just saying the name Jesus, that is a prayer. Just saying the name Jesus. And I'm reading a book and it actually leaves you with a challenge that when you are in need of union with God, and if when you are in need of peace, just say the name Jesus. And I cannot tell you, there was a a very specific situation where this was seriously all I needed. It was in the morning, one of those mornings. Okay, (laughs) everyone was grouchy, just did not wake up on time. I had a headache. And then I was nursing my son and Clara, my daughter, she's just in the background like yelling, super grumpy. And in that moment, okay, my humanity, I just wanted to be like, Clara, go away. But instead, I paused, and all I said was, Jesus, you know, in a very prayerful way, but also just like crying out, please come help me right now, Mm -hmm. because it is Jesus who can love Clara how she deserves to be loved in that moment, not me in my humanity where I'm frustrated and tired and having a really rough morning. Mm -hmm. So that is just, it's so simple to begin, but even, you know, somebody who's very familiar with with scripture and with different prayers, just say the name Jesus to start really getting in the habit of constantly being united to and relying on God. Yeah, yeah. When in doubt, just say Jesus. Exactly. I mean, it really sounds is. so simple, but yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of a, a catechism class, Kara, that we've taught, and we'll ask a lot of the que- people questions, and the answer always ends up being usually Jesus. And, you know, I always make that point. But that is really a profound, there's a lot of profound truth in that. When in doubt, just say Jesus, and that itself is a prayer. I have a book that goes through every single doctrine of the church, and on the one on the incarnation where God became man in Jesus, it will give you like how different doctrines relate to it, and all it says with Jesus is, this is central to every doctrine. And mm-hmm. that's so true. Like It's such yeah. a simple thing, but it's 100% right. true with the faith. Yeah. And yeah, again, and I think it goes back to the relationship point again, because a relationship with Christ that, that is at the core. That is the foundation for everything else. How do we get there? Ultimately through prayer. You know, early, in an earlier podcast, we talked about Christ's call. Come and follow me. If you want to check out the podcast, Kara will leave a link in the show notes. And that, too, is what prayer is as well. Prayer is that place where God's call and our response come together. Uh, we see that certainly in Abraham and all that God called him to do. And he goes out in faith, um, you know, not knowing what was ahead, but following the Lord. Where do you learn to hear the voice of the Lord? In prayer. Uh, we even look at uh, examples like Hannah in the first Samuel being barren and praying for God to give her a child. And, you know, she says, Lord, if you will give me a child, 
I will give him to you to serve you. And God honored that prayer. So there's always that dialogue there that's happening in prayer. And it's where his call and our response come together. But oftentimes, I think in prayer, it's where we see God responding as well. So it's always that mutual dialogue, that mutual call and response that's uh, quite beautiful. Well, Fred, I think that's why prayer is so important, too, because you can't have a dialogue with somebody unless you truly recognize their voice. You know, I think of, again, I think of my kids in this situation. My son, he's only 10 months old. And when I walk in to pick him up at daycare, like there is, it's, there's noise everywhere. It's a madhouse and he's just <laughs> hanging out on the floor. And I yell, you know, Gerard. And he looks at me and just gets the biggest smile on his face because he recognizes my voice and mm. knows I'm his mom. And that's because, you know, he lived in my womb for nine months. Mm-hmm. I talked to him before he was even born. And now I see him every single day. So he knows who I am and he recognizes my voice. If we want to have a dialogue with God, we have to be able to recognize his voice. And that comes through this familiarity that we gain in prayer. And it comes through really grounding ourselves in the word, the living word of God in scripture. So when we know, you know, who God is through scripture, when we know who he is through this communion with him in our hearts and in our minds in prayer, we can better hear his voice as a child seeking the voice of the father. Amen. You did leave out the part where he does his little butt-scooting happy dance. Yeah, he does uh, a happy so. dance. It's the cutest thing <laughs> in the world. <laughs> um, but but you're right, Kara. I think it, the answer itself gets to the heart of why prayer is so important. Um, and that's because this relationship, this this dialogue, this is the whole reason we were created. We are, by our very nature, a religious being. Each one of us, we are created to be in communion with God. We are made for relationship with Him, and we live a fully human life only if we freely live by that bond with God. This is exactly why St. Augustine reminds us, my heart is restless, God, until it rests in you. That's the whole reason we were created. And all of our striving, everything we're searching for in life is ultimately a search for that relationship with Him. Kara, the, these phrases get tossed around a lot these days, be a better you and things like this. And mm-hmm. the reality is why it's good to try to be better people. That should always be our goal. But if that is apart from God, apart from the reason we were created, we're never going to be truly happy. We're never going to really, truly fulfill that purpose for which we were created, which was that communion with God, that loving him, knowing him, serving him, and ultimately uh, for the reason to be happy within him in heaven. But that is born in the life of prayer. And that is why prayer is so important. This, the UCAT, the Youth Catechism, uh, I love how they relate this idea, Kara. It says, prayer is as human as breathing, eating, and loving. So prayer itself, because of that nature, the the purpose we have, what we were created for, that communion with God. Prayer is ultimately for us to be every bit as human as breathing, eating, and loving. Mm -hmm. And those, that's what we need to survive. And for that same reason, prayer is what we need to survive uh, in this world. Uh, It's how we, in a lot of ways, how we live the life of grace. Yeah, we are all made for 
conversion. And when we talk about this word conversion, it comes from the word metanoia. And this literally means like you're walking in a direction and you turn and change direction. So we are walking in a direction, let's just to imagine this, walking in a direction away from God. And we turn direction. We have this conversion back towards God and back towards what we exactly what you're saying, Fred, what we were created for, which is union with God. And we get a glimpse of this in our prayer lives when we rec- when we enter into a relationship with the living, true God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that conversion is not a one time thing. It's a lifelong process. So yeah. um, in our work, Carol, we use we use those phrases a lot like evangelization, uh, um, you know, conversion the reality is no one on this side of heaven is completely evangelized. It's a lifelong process. It's continuing conversion. And, and prayer uh, prayer and the sacraments, those are really kind of the vehicles that get us there in I a lot of I think the topic of prayer really like applies to everybody. Like I said in the introduction, we have a wide range of people who listen to this podcast, but prayer is a topic that everyone can get behind and should get behind because... Yeah, we are all made for that, and we're not done growing. No matter where you're at in your in your journey, there's an end goal, which is perfect beatitude in heaven. And guess what? We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for those of you listening, we're going to post a bonus content episode uh, with our friend Matthew Leonard, where we're actually going to talk about that relationship uh, between prayer and the sacraments. So be looking for that. Yeah. We've been talking about how Jesus is so key and he is the center to all the church's teaching, but he's the center to prayer. Fred, I think we really get a, a sense of this in his own teaching, okay? Because the catechism, if you want to look it up, it's 1718. That's super easy to remember. 1718. The catechism says that the Sermon on the Mount in Scripture, that's found in Matthew 5 through 7, it says that the Sermon on the Mount is the center of Jesus' teaching and preaching. If you go to Matthew, five through seven, guess what the center of that is? The center of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' teaching on prayer. He tells us how to pray, and he gives us the beautiful prayer of the Our Father. And so the center of the center Mm -hmm. of Jesus' preaching and teaching is prayer. And that shows us how important and how central this is to being united to him and to living as disciples. Amen. This is exactly the reason that from the very beginning uh, of, our, of the church and, you know, in the apostles' teaching, the Our Father was seen as, as the most perfect prayer because it was Jesus, of course, he modeled how to pray. He taught us how to pray, but it's the only prayer that Jesus Christ himself gave us in words. This is the reason that the Our Father has always been seen by the church as the prayer of the church par excellence, meaning that it was the most important prayer, the most perfect prayer. Tertullian actually called it a summary of the whole gospel. And there's a lot of things happening there, uh, why he would say it's the summary of the whole gospel. If you think about it, when we pray the Our Father, it's we're praying, Lord, save us, feed us, forgive us, deliver us. Well, that's the gospel message. Jesus Christ loves you, gave his life to save you, now he's living at your side. Every day to enlighten, strengthen, and free you. That is the gospel. That's what, what's happening in the Our Father. But we also have saints like St. Thomas Aquinas who, who taught that the Our Father not only teaches us the things to ask for, but in the proper order that we should ask for him. So we begin by praising God and giving him uh, the worship he deserves before we move into 
our own needs. So we start there. And even the words, care, even that word, Father, referring to God the Father as our Father, even that in Jesus' time would have been, uh, in some sense, revolutionary because to, to picture God as Father in the sense that Jesus used the word Abba, which is kind of like equivalent of our word Daddy today, mm-hmm. to speak of God in such an intimate way was unheard of at that time. If you think of pagans, gods were things they were afraid of, you know, so sacrifices were made to to hold their vengeance at bay. In in Jewish times, while they were faithful, it was still often a bit disconnected. To think of God as daddy, for example, that was something completely new and different, and I think that gets to the heart of (laughs) how we started. It all comes back to this once again, Mm -hmm. that God desires to have that intimate relationship with us. And I think, Kara, this is this is exactly the reason when we pray at Mass, right before we pray the Our Father, the priest says the words, we dare to say. What's so daring about that? Ever thought about that? That it doesn't seem very daring to pray the Our Father, but it is. To speak of God in such an intimate way is, even today, altogether daring, altogether new, that the creator of everything we see around us wants that kind of intimate relationship with us in prayer. Well, and it goes back to Christ again, because the only reason we can call him our father, because if you notice in scripture, Jesus calls him father. He calls him my father. Mm -hmm. The only reason we can call him our father is because by the nature of our baptism, we are adopted sons and daughters of God through Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's not a new sonship. It's not a new daughtership. It's through Jesus that we can call God our Father. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mentioned at the introduction that Fred and I always say the spiritual is the practical. And I think this is so obvious in Jesus and in the example of the Holy Family Because so often we get asked, you know, how do we implement this in ministry and how do we do this? And there's there's so much emphasis on doing and so little emphasis on the silence of prayer that needs to come prior to the action. Because action comes after prayer, okay? And this is the impact that prayer should have. If we have this mindset, if we have this mindset that I just constantly need to do, and that's completely fine, okay? Because as we grow in our love and our uh, and our love for God and our passion to bring people to also love him, we want to do things. We want to share God. We want to actively evangelize. We want to go on mission trips. Okay, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we cannot forget this beautiful ministry of silence and of mm. prayer. And I think the example of the Holy Family is such a wonderful thing to look at. Because if you think of the Holy Family in Scripture, okay, we have... We have Jesus. He kind of jumped the gun a little bit in the temple and he taught. But then it says, Scripture says, and he went with his parents and grew in wisdom and stature. And then he didn't enter his ministry until he was about 30 years old. And in Scripture, it shows us in Matthew 13 and Luke 4, it shows us that he goes, Jesus goes back to teach in Nazareth and he, you know, opens up the Scripture and he's basically applying their scriptures to himself like hey this is me um i have the authority to do this and they're like isn't this the carpenter's son isn't this jesus who is the son of mary and joseph they're like who the heck is this guy to call himself this Hmm. and you know what i think that shows us is that for 30 years 
of Jesus's life and Mary and his adopted father, Joseph. There was no word, no action, no miracle, inclination to the people who lived with him, who were his neighbors in nowhere in Nazareth, that this was the Messiah. And that speaks to this ministry of silence and this importance of prayer because Jesus and his family were prayerful. They were faithful Jews who went, you know, they celebrated the Passover. They, um, they went to the temple and did the presentation. They followed the laws. They were faithful, prayerful Jewish people for 30 years. And then for three, we get the action. And I think that is so impactful and we have to take this to heart that when we want to when we want to do there is equal emphasis on prayer and that has to come first and continue throughout. Absolutely, Kara. Um, you know, I, I'm reminded of the phrase we get so it's from Deacon Ralph Poyo. If you're not familiar, check him out. We get so busy doing that we forget to be. Yeah. To be that child of God that we were made to be. Um, get so busy doing that we forget to be. I think that is what's at the heart here. Um, St. Alphonsus Liguori also comes to mind and in, in the impact prayer has and why it's important. He kind of combines this point here. He says, pray always. Thus, they should admonish them to pray. Pray and never give up praying. If you pray, you will be certainly saved. If you do not pray, you will be certainly damned. Without prayer, it is impossible to resist temptations and to keep the commandments. So essentially, without prayer, we cannot get to heaven. Absolutely. And St. Augustine would agree with that. I think our lived experience in a lot of ways demonstrate that. Kara, I can tell the difference in the days where I didn't pray. Yeah. And we do this kind of work uh, for a living. And, and, you know, there are many days that I feel like, boy, I... Uh, I, I wish I would have prayed, <laughs> yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, and the reality there, Jesus himself illustrates the point St. Alphonsus Liguori is making there because his, his example of prayer we find in Scripture teaches us the very same thing. We, you know, in a, in a previous podcast, we talked about come follow me. What does it mean to follow Christ? Well, part of that following him is imitating his life of prayer, the example he gave us. Before, you know, what are some of the things we can take away from his life of prayer? He withdrew himself to pray in solitude. He spent time in prayer before decisive moments. His life was a prayer because of his constant loving communion with the Father. He was always mindful of that. And certainly he kept the commandments perfectly and was able to resist the temptation with the Word of God. But that kind of understanding, that kind of application, that kind of lived Word of God, if you will is born in prayer and that's why it's so important why it's important but also the impact it has in our life right and jesus is the model for how we are to pray but he didn't have to go off in silence and pray to god for hours because jesus himself is one of the one of the persons of the trinity he is already in full communion with god so guess what he could have just chatted with him in his divine nature But to show us how to be a model in prayer, he does this. He goes off in silence and he submits to his human nature and he shows us how we ought to pray. That's the the disciples. What do they ask? Lord, teach us how to pray. Mm -hmm. And if the disciples have to ask how to pray, how much more do we have to ask of the Lord how to pray? How much more do we need to follow his example? So what are things in your prayer life, Fred, that have really impacted you? 
Honestly, going back to the Our Father, Kara, I, when people have asked me what devotions, what prayers have had the most impact on your life, a lot of times people are surprised when I say the Our Father. And I think the reason they're surprised is because the Our Father, in a lot of ways, is a prayer we take largely for granted. We, we learn it at an early age, and rote prayer is not a bad thing. It's absolutely a good thing. But I think it's very easy for us to kind of get in this vein of going through the motions with some of those prayers that we don't really reflect on the words that we are praying. And, and Jesus himself warns about this right before he teaches the disciples the Our Father. So they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, do not pray with vain repetition and so on like the heathen do. And what he's talking about there, he's not condemning the rosary and things like that, which are things I heard before I became Catholic. What he's saying is it's possible to just throw up words and go through the motions. And then he goes on to say, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. And so there's a couple of reasons that that prayer has had such an impact on my life. And, and, all the, and all those reasons tie back to that point. One, when I come to those words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So um, in marriage, sometimes we have those moments where there, are, there can be conflict. Two people live together. Eventually, there's going to be some sort of disagreement. And what's our, what's, it's usually my fault, just for the record. Um, my wife listens to the podcast, so I have to say that. But it is true. <laughs> it's also true. Anyway, you know, there are those moments. And, and what, what is our job as husband and wife? It's to help our spouse get to heaven. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with that, that idea, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, C.S. Lewis, uh, he said there's two kinds of people in the world, those who say thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and those who say my kingdom come, my will be done. Now, when I have those moments of conflict with my wife, I think, what is, what is his will? What is his kingdom come? What is his will be done? Well, his will is that I edify my wife, that I help build her up, that I help her get to heaven. My will is that I cut her down and, and you know, I know what's going to hurt her and I'm angry and I have to fight to prove I'm right. So when I pray those words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in a lot of ways, Kara, it kind of makes me, uh, in the words of Ice Cube, check myself before I wreck myself. Uh, <laughs> so didn't see a 90s hip hop reference coming, I'm sure, Kara. But, um, That's great. And so it helps me to internalize what I'm praying. And it's a good reminder that I shouldn't say that thing. I think you're really getting at the foundation of prayer here, Fred, because the catechism actually says that humility is the foundation of prayer. And when we say, thy will be done, we are humbling ourselves to the Lord. There are beautiful examples of this in the Bible. In Jesus himself, in Matthew 11, he calls himself gentle and lowly. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Okay, God calls himself gentle and lowly, humbling himself. In Luke 18, we have the comparison of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisees are Jewish leaders. The tax collector is a sinner. So we have this comparison, and the Pharisee is like, thank you, God, that I am not like these other people. Mm-hmm. And the tax collector is, is humbling himself before the Lord, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is actually where we get the Jesus prayer that we pray in the Catholic Church. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
the foundation of prayer is humility. And it's, it's when we grow in this virtue of humility and when we look at the example of Jesus, when we look at his teaching and preaching and, and raising up the tax collector who is humble in prayer, that we are able to, exactly like you pulled out, Fred, in the Our Father, that we are able to truly say, Thy will be done and mean it. Absolutely. Yeah. Kara, I mentioned there was a couple reasons with the Our Father why I like to pray it, especially in, in certain moments of my life. And certainly these are kind of moments we all have in our lives. And the other reason is the line, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the word that really jumps out at me in that is the word as. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you think about what we're praying when we say that, we are literally praying, Lord, to the same degree that I forgive those who offend me, forgive me also. And that is, if we really take those words to heart, it's almost frightening. So it reminds me of my own need to extend forgiveness to others. And what I think is key here, and it's interesting how right after Jesus concludes the Our Father, deliver us from evil, he picks up again this idea of forgiving those who trespass against you. He says, if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. I just think that's a fascinating point because, you know, Hebrew thought at the time, they didn't have words like we do, like very, you know, emphasis. If they wanted to really reiterate something, they just repeated it. They said it twice. And, and what you're hearing here, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, oh, by the way, in case you misunderstood, you have to do this forgiveness business. And if we talk about following Christ, if we talk about being conformed to his image and likeness, that looks like forgiveness. That looks like mercy. And, and guess what? In order to live a life filled with forgiveness and mercy, it's going to require a lot of prayer. Uh, because sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, uh, is to forgive somebody. Sometimes when we give this talk about the Our Father and that comes up, there are some people who kind of chime back in and say, but you don't know what I've been through. You know, and, and this is really difficult to forgive somebody of this. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand here and say like we have any idea what any person has been through. But I think we can just look at Jesus's example Okay, because he went through far greater pain than we Mm. went through, through the crucifixion and death on the cross. And he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we all go through very difficult moments and experiences in our life. But Jesus, in all things, is our model for holiness. And especially as it relates to the Our Father and this idea of forgiveness, he is the most beautiful and perfect example. And how we feel in the moment doesn't change what we're called to. Mm-hmm. And it is true, certainly I don't know what others have been through, but I know what I've been through, and I know there are many things in my life that I have needed to extend forgiveness, and, and, I, and I understand that struggle. And sometimes it just begins with a realization that I need to forgive. Lord, help me to want to forgive. Yeah. And allow God's grace to work, and that grace will work through prayer. Well, Kara, I've said a lot about uh, prayer that has an impact on my life. Uh, Would you share with everybody what are some prayers and devotions that have borne the most fruit in your life? Well, I mentioned in the story of our testimony where we share why we're Catholic, 
that adoration has played a huge, huge role in my life and in my spiritual growth. And so adoration, absolutely. And if you're not familiar with adoration, as Catholics, we believe that the entirety of who Jesus is, body, blood, soul, and divinity is found in the Eucharist. And so adoration is where we present ourselves and we look lovingly upon Jesus in the Eucharist and he looks lovingly upon us. And this has had such a beautiful impact But I want to say at the same time, because this is not the case for everybody, there have also been plenty of moments in adoration where I, you know, twiddle my thumbs, I'm saying a rosary, and my head and my heart are just not in it. I'm just like, Jesus, I know you're here, but this is real rough, you know. But it's presenting ourselves in front of Jesus and trying in that moment, giving him our heart, giving him those distractions that come to mind. It's not like I have – Fred always calls some of my prayer stuff – what is it, Iron Man oh, or Superman? No, I, you pray the Captain Marvel rosaries. That's what I say. Captain Marvel rosary. It's not like a, a Captain Marvel moment in adoration, but there have been those moments that are really integral to my conversion that there have been. And then just as you said, um, the second one would be the rosary. Again, there are rosaries that are really rough and full of distractions, um, but I think finding in that that turning those distractions over, like if somebody pops into my head or if a frustration in the day pops into my head in the midst of praying with a mystery and reflecting on a mystery, then I just turn it over to God because prayer, like we have said, is the center of the faith. And so the devil wants to pull us out of prayer. And so when I'm praying that rosary, it's like he gives that distraction and then I give it back to God. So it's like, ha ha, try again. <laughs> you know, so so I think that's really the key is that when we're in prayer, it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be powerful. We're not always going to hear the clear voice of God, but giving him every single moment and presenting our heart to him and giving that to him. And there have been really impactful rosaries as well that I think have drawn me closer to the heart of Jesus. So I'm very grateful for those moments. Amen. Hence the Captain Marvel rosaries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm mentioning all of these distractions and stuff, Fred. I think that's one of the many obstacles of prayer. But the key here is that there are many obstacles to prayer, right. not just distractions. So what are some obstacles that you face or that might be common in people's prayer lives? And kind of how do we overcome those? Yeah, well, I think the distraction point can be helpful, actually, because it does reveal the things that we're attached to. And it can be very indicative of areas that maybe we need to pull back from a little bit. If you're looking for something to fast during Lent, well, what's the thing that distracts you during prayer? Is that something you could incorporate during your next Lent? So so I think distractions can actually be helpful. I can relate to that a lot. Even in praying the rosary, if like a show I really like pops into my head, it's like, you know, I probably should not watch that show as much if that's <laughs> yeah, what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you're thinking about uh, your favorite video game, uh, maybe right. maybe go a week without the Xbox or the PS5 now if you're lucky enough to have one. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe put that aside for a bit. I think prayer can also sometimes seem a little bit overwhelming mm-hmm. um, and a little bit hard because St. Paul says in Scripture, he says that we should pray unceasingly. Pray unceasingly. That means without ever stopping. Okay, that's a little daunting. <laughs> but what he means there is not necessarily like we have to constantly be like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, man. We have to constantly be saying active prayers. But what he means is that our life and our heart should be so united with God that in everything, even right now as we're sitting here recording this podcast, even in the simple things day to day, you answer an email. We are recognizing that we are gods and we are united to God. And through that, we are praying ceaselessly because I think it was St. 
um, John Paul II, he was asked, what do you do with your free time? And he says, all of my time is free time. Because all of our time we are given by God. And so if we, if we go through life that way, even in moments where we're not actively praying, all of our time is a gift from God. And so all of it is given back to God. And I think in that we can pray mm. without ceasing. So it becomes a little bit less daunting. Right. Yeah. And, and there are many moments that our daily life present to us where we can incorporate prayer, even if it's a simple prayer like the Jesus prayer you mentioned, or, you know, instead of being angry that the Walmart cashier is taking so long, uh, you know, checking the person out in front of you, use that as an opportunity to pray for that Walmart, Walmart cashier, you know? Yeah. You know, there's just being a little more intentional about the time we've been given, uh, I think is important. Kara, on the distraction point, also, I meant to mention this. A mentor of mine who was a sister, she always kept a notebook handy. So while she was praying morning prayer, evening prayer, or the rosary, or whatever, if thoughts popped in her head, especially busy thoughts, like, I have to do this, I have to do that, she would write them down and then get back to her prayer. And she said that really helped her to overcome uh, the distractions in prayer. And it also, she found that that was in a way, a grace, because it helped her to collect her thoughts and to keep straight those things that she needed to do or, or were pressing, and it really helped to give her peace uh, in that. That could be something that could work for somebody uh, listening. A lot of the times when I'm praying, that's the thing. Like, I'm running through my, my morning to-do list, right. so I really like that idea. Yeah, and that goes back to your practical doer yeah, personality. Yeah, person. So, yeah. Also, I think dryness, Kara, is an obstacle. I think we've all, and you mentioned this, not all of your rosaries are Captain Marvel rosaries, yeah. you know. Some of them might feel a little more like Hawkeye, you know. You just got a bow and arrow <laughs> doing your best, Ouch. but you're a little outnumbered. Um, you know, so I think realizing that the intention and taking the time to still be in relationship and communion, even if it doesn't feel like this great consolation in the moment, that is the way to overcome that because it's still, you know, not every conversation is going to be, you know, riveting and, and things like that, but we still do it because we love the other person. So I think that gets to, to another obstacle that is hardship and suffering. When we have that in our lives, there can be this period of dryness, but there can also be this period where we do not go to pray. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we mentioned this in our episode on suffering, and I can put that in the show notes as well if you haven't listened to that. But God permits suffering. He doesn't send us suffering, but he can permit it. But it's always going to be for the sake of drawing us closer to him. But that can sometimes have the opposite effect. And this is completely up to us. But sometimes I have seen when we go through hardships and we go through suffering, there's the opposite effect. Like there's not a God because this is happening to me. And so we stop having that conversation with him and we stop having that personal relationship with him. And I think that's a really key obstacle. But recognizing this, that there's beauty in suffering and there's a purpose in suffering can draw us closer to Christ instead. Yeah. Uh, another current obstacle, I think, is uh, making it more complicated than it actually is. Yeah. Uh, as <laughs> I call that clutter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you just have to start somewhere. And mm -hmm. even if it's just five minutes a day, but if you're going to start out with, I'm going to spend two hours in prayer tomorrow. Uh, no, you're not. Right. Um, you might, but you're going to get really discouraged really fast because prayer in, a, in many ways, it's, it's something you have to grow in. You have to grow in the life of prayer. So it's really better if, if, you're, if you're not in that habit of praying. It's better for you to spend five to ten minutes in prayer every day if you're not in that habit than to spend 
an hour in prayer tomorrow. Yeah. As you were saying that, what came to mind was the parable of the, of the sower. Because if we are like, oh, I never pray, I'm going to do two hours of adoration, that prayer is not following on fertile soil. So I remember in my own life, you know, I even mentioned this in when I shared my testimony that I had this conversion and I didn't really start praying consistently for like four years. But when I did start praying consistently, all it was was before I went to bed. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. And then it's grown from there over years. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to jump into this to this prayer life when the soil of our heart is not fertile. So starting small and really intentionally growing those moments can till that soil so we are prepared for two hours of silence and adoration someday. Yeah, and all loving relationships are that way. They grow deeper and more intimate over time. And, and that's certainly the tr- truth with the life of prayer. So it, we don't have to make it co- harder than it is. We don't have to make it more complicated. You know, it begins with acknowledging that you are in God's presence. He is your father who loves you more than you could ever imagine, who would literally do anything for you. I think also coming to prayer, being yourself. I know I've struggled this at times, thinking that, you know, I wasn't good enough or I wasn't pious enough or something like that. Kara, I don't know if you've felt Oh, absolutely. And there have even been moments where I have thought to myself in the midst of prayer, having this thought and thinking, oh, no, I don't want to bring that to prayer. And then I pause and I'm like, God, you literally already know what I'm thinking. So I'm just going to bring it to you. Yeah, yeah because, you you know, we want to, we want to, even if when we're praying by ourselves, we want to be eloquent in speech. And, right. you know, it's like sometimes just be vulnerable, like break down and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah, God loves you, not the person you're trying to depict yourself as in prayer with him. Yeah. Um, and that And that's important to realize. He created you with your own gifts, your own passions, and he wants to shine through you uniquely in them. And a lot of that shining is born in prayer. So ask God to help you in those moments and know that he listens. Yeah. Something too that I struggle with, and I mentioned this when you said we make it too complicated, and I call that clutter. Sometimes when we are so strong in our faith or we're really falling more and more in love with God, we want to do, as my daughter Clara will say, all the things. <laughs> we want to do everything in the prayer life. We want to do liturgy of the hours and the rosary and a chaplet every day. We want to go to adoration at least three times a week. You know, we, we start jam-packing our schedule with all of these different prayer opportunities, and it just gets so cluttered to the point where, I'm just checking the box. Mm -hmm. This is not really where I'm encountering Lord, the Lord. It's not really bringing me into a closer relationship with Jesus. I just heard somebody else did this. So I think that's really cool. So I'm going to try it. But this isn't necessarily the way that the Lord speaks with me. I'm just checking the box. I think that can sometimes be an obstacle. So really focus on where are we finding those intentional prayer moments? And if it is that, you know, 30 minutes a day of silence, or if that's not a realistic thing in your world, that's definitely not a realistic thing in my world. I'm a mom. I don't even get to go to the bathroom by myself. I don't get 30 minutes of silence. But if that's something for you that it's just, you know, a few moments of intentionality, then really dive into that rather than packing the calendar packing your planner full of to-do lists in your prayer life. Yeah, and, and and sometimes I know in our house that has taken at times moments of sort of sacrificing a, a little bit of sleep to make it work. I know my wife and I, we, gosh, this is hard to imagine. There is such a thing as 5.30 in the morning, Kara. Not for me. Uh, <laughs> but there was a, a, there was a time, 
you know, through the earlier in this year where we'd get up every morning, we'd pray together, we'd have coffee, and we'd play a, a board game together. It's something we love to do as a family. And that was a nice time. But again, it is easy for that, that busyness to set in in life of the family. Mm-hmm. So it really is finding time that works for you and, and also realizing that there are seasons in these things and not yes. what works for one isn't necessarily going to work for other. People have asked me, how much time do you spend a day in prayer? I won't answer that question. Right. Because that's me. It doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter how much time I'm spending, you know, at least what I should be spending. But right. what works for me is not going to work for you. And we have to be careful with that sort of thing. The, the important thing is to take the time. Ideally, it's going to be a dedicated time each day that you're very intentional about as much as possible. Uh, and I think that's where that point of utilizing Every moment that that you can throughout the day comes in. That's where that element of continuously praying through the day comes in. Uh, Oftentimes, care, at least for me, I think it also means setting a bedtime and sticking to it. I've noticed that if I'm not intentional about what time I go to bed, if binge watching anything is a part of my evening, it affects my prayer life the next day. Uh, So I need to be careful with that. And that that's me. You know, some of you might not have that struggle, but but I do. You mentioned seasons in life too. I think it's very important to note because I mentioned I'm a mom. I don't I don't really get to intentionally set aside 30 minutes or an hour in my day. So recognizing that prayer looks very different for each person based on your state in life, but offering up you know, the work that you do in the state of your life for prayer. So like when I'm doing the dishes or laundry or when I'm playing with my kids, unceasingly praying in those moments because, you know, that's life. We have to get that done. Yeah. I remember when I was in in grad school care at a Catholic university, there were students who struggled with, well, I'm not spending two hours in adoration every day, and yet they're taking 18 credit hours. And I remember professors having to say, your desk is part of your prayer. Like your study is your prayer. That's the season of life you're in. The Lord has you as a student and you need to be faithful in that too. So I think part of that, recognizing the season we're in, is that recognizing that our work is uh, our prayer. The important thing is, you know, those rituals, that structure, any kind of structure we can build in our daily lives will help our prayer life a lot. I want to end, Fred, with one more practical tip on prayer. And I think this goes without saying, but I have to say it. Jesus, the word made flesh, dwells in the sacred page in scripture. And so if you don't know where to start, or if you are a seasoned veteran in your prayer life, you've been praying for many, many years, there is nothing wrong. It's the most beautiful thing in the world to open up the scriptures, to open up the living word of God, because this is really where God speaks to us the most. I can't even tell you how many times I've just been like, God, can you just give me this like blinking neon sign that tells me the answer? (laughs) And then I'll open up scripture and be like, oh, okay, all right, I got (laughs) you. This is God's timeless words to us. And so in your prayer, really take time. Lexio Divina is a huge spiritual experience that I really enjoy, is just sitting and praying with different passages of scripture. If that's not your thing, that's completely fine. But we still have to spend time in scripture, spend time in the word of Christ, because we can't say, we can't sit here and say throughout this episode that we have to listen to the voice of Christ that we are united to Christ and united to God, if we don't know God. St. Jerome says that ignorance of scripture is ignorance of God. So running to the scriptures, running to the word made flesh, 
this can truly help us in our prayer life. This can be a prayer in itself, but it can help us to hear the living word of God.